Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Paul is writing to the Romans, and he begins to, in 35, begins to ask, he starts out with a question. probably familiar to many of you. You've heard many preachers preach on this. But it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul's kind of starting his own list here. He said, if we get in trouble, are we going to walk away from God? things don't go the way, if we're distressed, is that going to separate us from from God? What about if we get hungry or people persecute us or make fun of us or don't like the way that we live? Or is that going to separate us from the love of God? He says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. If you're wanting to do a promotional video, this is not the way you want it to sound. Come on down to Joe's Bargain Barn where we will rip you off every way we know how. Paul's talking to them here and he says, killed all the day long, we're counted as sheep to the slaughter. Doesn't sound like things are stacked in our favor. But he says, no, no, no. In all these things, even still, in my vocabulary, even still, with all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Say, I am persuaded. Come on, say it again. I am persuaded. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm going to try with the help of the Lord to preach to you a message that I've simply entitled, My Addiction. My Addiction. You may be seated today. God bless you. It would seem to me that... In reading Paul's writings here to the Romans, that when you begin to kind of stop and contemplate what he's actually saying, it's kind of obvious to me that Paul is completely and overwhelmingly addicted to the life that he had found since he started serving Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if Paul's nature was that uh, of an addictive nature, but I do know one thing about Paul, that if you look at the old Saul before he was renamed Paul, you would see a man that didn't really care what other people thought of him. He was going to do what he thought was right, even when it was wrong. I don't think Paul really uh, caved too often to peer pressure, but when Paul got involved into something, he was wholeheartedly involved in it. He was not going to sit by on the sidelines. He was going to be leading the way. And as he persecuted these Christians, he was leading the way in persecuting them. And then one day, one day he had an encounter on the way to Damascus. And a bright light shone, and Paul was blinded right there. And for three days he sat 
until God sent a man to him to explain to him what was taking place, and his eyes were opened again. And from that point on, Paul was a completely different person than the man that he had been before. The old man named Saul was no longer alive. Something had gotten a hold of him. He had become addicted to something that changed his life. They say that confession is good for the soul, and so I stand here today, and as humbly as I know how, I must confess to you that I have an addiction. Everybody's head popped up. Hmm, is pastor getting ready to resign? Are we getting ready to find out some deep, dark secret that, that he's been hiding from from us for so long. Uh, uh, now, before you throw me out of here and you toss me out in the street, let me tell you how I came to understand that I was an addict because it kind of snuck up on me uh, without me knowing it. And you ever have one of those epiphany moments where all of a sudden the, the light uh, bulb goes on in your mind like, hmm, I never thought of it that way before. But, but, but now I see things a little bit differently. I see things a little clearly, a little more clearly than I used to. So let me explain. Being a pastor for all these years, I deal with all sorts of problems, relationship problems, and, and maybe grief counseling, or people that are dealing with all sorts of different issues. And along the way, you deal with people that have addictions. And, and that, that most of the time is a very embarrassing thing for somebody to admit they're, they're out of control. They have no power over this, this thing that's gotten a hold of them. No, nobody that's ever become an addict will ever tell you uh, that they intended to become an addict. They just started off uh, tampering around with a few things, falling prey to some peer pressure, doing what everybody else thought was cool, thinking that they could handle it only to find themselves down the road a little bit, not being able to get out of what they'd gotten themselves into. Addictions are a very real thing, and as the church, we must be willing and able to deal with people that have addictions. And so I began to do a little research on addictions, trying to educate my, myself on, on the signs of uh, what an addict might be able to what I might be able to pick up on somebody that maybe was an addict uh, where I could maybe try to open a door and, and, and help them out or be able to sit down and, and talk with somebody and help walk them through it. Now, we all know that, that I don't really have the answer. My best answer is to direct them to the one that can heal, save, and deliver. He's the one that can deliver somebody from a true addiction, right? Okay. But along the way, I'm, I, I'm researching some some of this, and, and I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden this, this epiphany happened. I'm reading these things that are, that are synonymous with somebody that is dealing with an addiction, and I said, that's me. I've got some of these same symptoms going on in my own life, not realizing that I was addicted to something. God shed some light on it. I have many of the symptoms of addiction. As a matter of fact, to be quite honest with you, I think some people in this room are also addicts as well. I'm not the only addict in this place. I've come to a place, you know, and that's what addicts do. They usually gather around people that are a lot like them. And a lot of times it just happens. You just 
naturally gravitate towards people that have your own values and people that are addicted to the same things that you're addicted to. You just find yourself flowing in that vein, right? And that, and that's why a lot of times you have these different types of group meetings to try to help people that are all dealing with the same types of problems. They gather together. We've got this great thing going on just a town or two over here. Uh, the, the Cutler Church has put this great thing together, and they deal with all different ki- types of things. Uh, maybe there's an alcoholics uh, that are gathered together. Maybe there's some grief that people are dealing with, and those people that are dealing with grief, they gather together. They just naturally need to be around people that can relate to them and what they're going through. You find strength in being able to relate to somebody else that's been where you're at, or maybe you can help somebody that's a little bit behind where you're at. Some hide a little better than others. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if the majority of the people sitting in this room are either already addicts or you're well on your way to becoming an addict. How come nobody's shouting? Here's what the professionals say. When you discover that a friend or family member has an addiction, It often comes as a huge surprise to you. But secrecy is the drug on which addiction thrives. i got to keep this to myself. I don't want my mom and dad to know. I don't want my spouse to know. I sure don't want my kids to find out that I have this addiction, that I have this issue going on in my life. So i got to keep it secret. i got to keep it quiet. But he goes on to say addiction grows worse over a sustained period of time, and there are some indicators that may give you an idea that something with your loved one shows signs of addiction. Well, this got me wondering. I began to think about how far back my addiction went. I went back a few years, and I got to thinking, no, it was before that. If I really stopped to think about it, it goes all the way back to a church service on a Sunday night where I went down to an altar. I still, I was still a mess. I was still all jacked up on all kinds of stuff. I had just come in from a, a three-day party, but what, what most people didn't know that night was that God had already been dealing with my heart, and there was something inside of me that was craving something more than what the world could give me, something more than a bottle, something more than a pill, something more than a syringe and a needle going into my vein, something more than some kind of otherworldly addiction. There was something drawing me. I stopped and I thought, that's where it all started. That's where I first got a taste of the thing that I have been increasingly more addicted to as the years have gone by. You see, in the beginning, I I, I too tried to hide my addiction. It was two weeks before my senior year. Now, I had just spent three years developing a personality and a character and an identity in high school that told everybody I was 
I was wild. I didn't care what anybody thought. I, I was going to do my own thing. I, anything for a laugh, uh, including all the way up to, to almost flunking high school. Whatever I could do to be liked, I wanted people to pay attention to me. But all of a sudden, I got hooked on something two weeks before my senior year. And I tried to keep it a secret when I went back in my senior year. But there were some changes, even though I was trying to keep them subtle, even though I didn't want people to really pay attention. There were some changes that were going on inside of me that I couldn't hide. Much as I wanted to fly under the radar, much as I just wanted to scoot through and scrape through that final year without really anybody noticing anything, but my addiction rapidly got worse. It became more and more difficult to hide what was inside of me flowing through my veins, what I was ingesting every week, several times a week as a matter of fact, sometimes on a daily basis to get a new high. Then one day I was reading this self-help book. I, let me show you. I brought it with me today, this self-help book that, that I carry with me a lot. Anybody else ever had this self-help book? Anybody else found the answers in here? <laughs> I was reading this self-help book called the Bible, and I came across the scripture, <laughs> and I got the shock of my life when I read in the Word of God that I really wasn't supposed to hide this addiction, that I didn't have to be ashamed of who I was or what I had become just because I didn't fit in with the common people anymore. I didn't fit in with the drug addicts anymore. I didn't fit in with the party heads anymore. I didn't fit in with the potheads anymore. Just because I was different and I wasn't like everybody else and my addiction had created some differences in me, I did not have to walk around with my head held low because this is what the Bible says. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and giveth light unto all that are in the house. He said, so let your light so shine that they may see your good works. I became proud of my addiction. I didn't walk around trying to keep it a secret anymore. Amen. The little snickers that, that came my way, the, the people that I once held uh, uh, linked arm in arm with that, that let me alone, hung me out to dry, it didn't seem to matter anymore because, you see, I wasn't just playing around with this thing. I had become addicted, and it had become the center of my entire life. Here I was trying to conceal my addiction. I discovered that this addiction is nothing to be ashamed of. But I'm supposed to let all the world see it. I should have known that all along, but I never saw the warning signs. Just kind of snuck up on me. To be honest, I'm not sure if it would have made any difference because I was already hooked. You see, you can only hide it for so long when you're addicted to something. And there are telltale signs of your addiction that just begun to bleed through in my life. So I thought, this can happen to me, and I can, I can get addicted to this thing. Who else might it be an addict as well and not even realize it? So I have three signs. I'm going to try to help you today to see if possibly you might be sitting here 
a closet addict, being addicted and not even realizing the changes that have come into your life, not realizing that you too, as I, am an addict. Three signs. The first sign of an addict was pretty much a dead giveaway. The article read, the very first thing that you can look at is a change in behavior. Friend, if you can come to the cross at Calvary and walk away and nobody can tell that you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, you're not an addict. There's not been a transformation. If you're satisfied with who you are and what you are and, and you just want God to take care of all the, the sweet things in life, but you don't want to deal with any of the changes that he wants to bring into your life, let me promise you this. Not every change is going to be easy, but every change is going to be good. There are some medicines that aren't easy to take. There are some medical procedures that aren't easy to handle. But let me tell you something. At the end of the day, there are some things that are necessary. And an addict doesn't care about the pain or what he might lose when he understands that there's a promise of joy that comes in the morning. Change in behavior. This is what the professionals say. This is not my words. This is theirs. I just copied this out of the book. As people's addictions get bigger, their lives get smaller. And the things that they value the most begin to fall away. Should have been, should have clued me in when I first stopped caring about the things that I used to care about. Man, I, I used to want to be there. I used to think I had to do that. I had to be there. If I was going to be uh, anything at all, if I missed that, then, then I'm nothing at all. I'm going to be just sucking my thumb all night long, wishing I was someplace that, that I wasn't. And so uh, all of a sudden, at this newfound addiction, I didn't care about being at those places anymore. It wasn't that I didn't care about those people. I just didn't want to partake in those things that they were doing and the things that I used to do. Things were changing inside of me. Should have known the first time that I put somebody else before myself that I had a problem. When I wasn't selfish anymore. And I looked at others and cared about people that I never cared about before. When I began to see people differently than I had seen them before. I should have known I was under the control of something bigger than myself. That I was just so wrapped up in how it made me feel so good that, that, that I didn't recognize how I, I was losing my own will and, and becoming more and more, more under the power of something greater than myself. Once again, I found out that with this addiction, that's how it's supposed to work. Because I opened up my Bible again, and I went to John chapter 3, verse 30, and he said, he must increase, and I must decrease. You see, an addict only cares. Our world seems so big before. Everything that I used to care about, everything that was important to me when I was living the old life, those things became less and less important to me. Now, I'm not against driving a decent car, living in a nice house, or trying to do the best that you can in life. I'm not against putting some money in a savings account and trying to retire and enjoy 
uh, life a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. I've just come to tell you it's not the most important thing in my life. And if all those things are stripped away from me, if tomorrow all those things are gone, I'm still going to be an addict to Jesus Christ. I'm still going to be living this life. If he blessed me or I don't get blessed, I'm going to still live for him and serve him. I was doing it right and didn't even know it. Why? Because it wasn't me that was doing it. I was decreasing. And he was increasing. Man, you talk about a high. There ain't nothing like the high when Jesus Christ comes into your life. And you begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the uh, utterance. As the Spirit begins to control those things. How does that happen? It happens when you relinquish your will and you accept His will. That happens when you say, not my will be done, but thy will be done. It happens when we decrease in our thoughts and our pretenses and all the things that we think we must have. And we say, God, there is nothing more important to me in this world than pleasing you. That's when these things begin to take place. The second thing, changing friends. It's not always the easiest area to recognize because it's a fact of life that friendships fade and new people come into our lives. That's what, that's what the experts say. So this is kind of hard to judge because, you know, we're constantly shifting in our relationships. And, and so these things are not always the biggest red flags out there, but when you start seeing, you know, somebody said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, that, there's a lot of truth to that. All of a sudden, little Johnny's not hanging out with, with, with uh, the soccer club kids anymore and, and into sports, but he's, he's hanging out with these kids that you know are up to no good, and, and what's mom and dad always say, hey, you need to stay away from them, you need to, don't run with them, you're going to be guilty by association because they understand that, 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 that there's a change in friends, is a sign sometimes that things are going downhill, or vice versa, you can maybe hang out with the people like I used to hang out with, amen, but all of a sudden, something began to happen, my mom and dad weren't too sad when I came down to the altar, and I began to choose some new friends, or some old friends that just walked away from me, and they, they left me go, I I had to get some new friends, and I started hanging out with people that mom and dad said, that's okay, that's good, we're proud of you, son. That felt pretty good. Upset a lot of people that I thought were my friends. I hated that some of those people didn't like me anymore. hated that some of them didn't think I was fun to be around anymore, that I just didn't see, I didn't seem to value the same things that they valued. My direction was headed somewhere different than their direction was. See, I've lived long enough now to watch some of the people that I used to run with be laid into the ground. As a matter of fact, my high school senior year didn't expire before we laid two of my classmates into the ground. I won't go into the reasons, but let me tell you, I'll just say this, that used to be me. That could have been me. 
I think it would have been me. And I'll save you all the details there, but I, but I have this very, very strong feeling. God was dealing with me in such a way. He was trying to reach me. And there were so many things that I was addicted to in my past. And I thought, how will I ever, oh, well, I'll tell you how to get away with from something that you're addicted to right now. Find a, an addiction that is stronger than the one that you currently have. Amen. When I came down the altar, I found everything I needed in my addiction to God. And it over uh, surpassed every other addiction that I had. It puts it down. It squelched it. Amen. It put it in its place. And I was able to walk away from those things. Because I'd found a new addiction. Hurt for a little while when I lost friends, but the Lord sent new friends. He sent people that shared my addiction. He sent me people that seemed to understand what I was going through. He sent me people that had been where I was at. And in my struggles as I was headed, getting more and more addicted to, to God, they, they wouldn't just leave me to my own devices. You know, that's a great thing about some of these support groups. You become accountable to somebody else that's in that support group. You have what they call sponsors, right? They sponsor you. What's that mean? That means they look out after you. They check up on you. They make sure you're still okay. And if you do fail and you fall off the bandwagon a little bit, they don't just kick you to the curb. No, they come alongside you and say, hey, listen, it's happened to the best of us. Get back up on your feet and keep on moving. You can do this, and you can do it with the help of the Lord. Oh, you just need something stronger to be addicted to than what you currently are. These new friends of mine, we got together quite a bit, about three times a week, actually. We'd have the best parties. Man, there was dancing at these parties. They got loud and noisy. They were shouting at these parties. Oh, man, there was fighting at these parties. Just not against each other. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. If, you, if you're a brawler, you've come to the right place. you just got to refocus who you're fighting. Amen. There is a devil out there that wants to steal your soul, and he walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he's not going to get you, and he's not going to get me. Why? Because we've come together a few times a week, and we're going to encourage each other. Amen. That's what we do because we're addicted to the same thing. I'll help you. And you'll help me. Quite the support group I've got here. And you got the young and the old. Everybody's here. So I looked at that. I found the scripture that says the old things have passed away. Old, everything's become new. I looked at life differently, completely differently. Now, you may see a guy that's all cleaned up here today. God's had a, quite a few years and put a good woman in my life to clean me up and show me how to dress and how to act. I thank God for the woman that he gave me. I don't call her woman disrespectfully. My beautiful wife. She's not my old lady. She's not my woman. That's my wife right there. And I still tell her every once in a while when we're out and about in a crowd, you're still the best-looking thing in any room I've ever walked into, and I'm proud to hold your hand. I want everybody to know that you are with me. 
I thank God that he straightened me up and squared me away about a year before her and I met because I'm telling you now, if she'd have met the old me, it would not be Mr. and Mrs. Rice today. It would probably be this old guy still looking for somebody dumb enough to, to accept him as their husband. But God already had a plan. And the beautiful thing about it was I didn't have to hide my addiction from the woman the Lord had put into my life because she was addicted to the same thing, maybe even more than I was. He put two addicts together. And guess what? We've had three children and now seven grandchildren. All of my children, they followed in our footsteps. They're addicts too. And my grandbabies, they're not quite there just yet, but I'm praying that God makes every one of my grandchildren an addict of Jesus Christ because I know that if he can get a hold of them at a young age, they'll be hooked for life. I could go on and on, but just one more, and I need to close. The third and final sign that I want to bring to your attention today is physical changes. Extreme physical changes are a big indicator of an addiction. You might be able to hide it for a while, but eventually it's going to show. You wouldn't believe what I used to look like. I thought about throwing up pictures, but I, I'm too embarrassed. I want you to have a better image of me. But I come from the day with party on, uh, business on top, party in the back, that, that era. It's kind of making a comeback. Don't go there, kids. It'll rot your brain. And I had a little peach fuzz mustache that I, I combed every night and tried to get it to grow faster. If I could have put something on it to grow it a little bit more, I would have done that. I got a senior high school picture that I don't know if they still hang them up in the wall, but years after I was gone, before they told the old high, tore the old high school down, it hung up on the walls, and I thought, Lord have mercy. I hope that nobody goes up and looks at the class of 1985 and starts to snicker when they get down to where Rice's picture was at. So just suffice it to say that that God did some heavy-duty work on old Douglas. It used to look like I didn't care. Quite honestly, I didn't. Didn't much care. I had no respect for myself. If I didn't have any respect for myself, how could I ever have respect for anybody else? I showed a lot of disrespect. God was gracious enough to not allow somebody to just haul off and kill me those few years of insanity that I, that I lived. Rare if you ever saw me smiled, but now it's hard to catch me without a smile. I've just come back off of maybe the best family vacation I've ever had. I don't know what everybody else's opinion of it is, but I really needed to just rest. I did not need Disneyland. I did not need Six Flags. I did not need entertainment. I did not need uh, Branson. I did not see, I didn't need Andy Williams. I didn't need any of that. I, I didn't need any of those things. I needed to kick back and just relax. And I look at those things and almost every picture, I'm smiling. 
That wasn't the old me. That's the new me. The new and improved version of this old addict. So on my way to being an old man at a young age, but even now, still, I get comments every once in a while. Was I had no idea you were that old. Those are my favorite people. I thought you were maybe 46 or 47, not 55. I just say, come here, give me, give me a hug. Give me a big hug. I've seen too many people that are 35 and 40 that look like they're 75 and 80. What's that tell you? That tells you there's been an addiction problem. There's been some hard, hard living. There's been some things that have been put into their body that have caused their body to age more rapidly than God designed it to age. But I went to the scriptures and I found where I get renewed every day. Amen. God is in the process of keeping me just a little bit younger and more like him because that's the way he designed it to be. And it's all because I got addicted one day and God changed everything that was wrong and he changed my direction and he changed my movements and he changed my thoughts. Where music come today. I love the way the word of the Lord just tells you you're on the right path. Titus 3 and 5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I love that word abundantly. It means God is not stingy with his renewing power. You think you're too far gone. This is the Hebrew, baloney. little spinoff, Scott Graham. didn't work for me as well as it did him. You're not too far gone. You're not too messed up. You're not too backwards. God is able by the renewing and the regeneration power that comes with receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know what I love most about being pastor of this church. This is one of my favorite things. Most Sunday mornings, I'll travel upstairs and I'll just go into my office for maybe 10, 15 minutes, whatever, kind of look over my notes a little bit. Then Brother Jones is out here. He's teaching. I'll grab my notes and I'll write half my notes come while he's teaching because something sparks a, a thought and I'll, I'll be throwing more, more notes in with my old notes. Just trying to say whatever the Lord wants me to say and it's not all organized up here, but God somehow takes it and he organizes it for me. My favorite thing is to walk down those steps and hear the chatter and the buzz of people that are addicted to Jesus Christ. It's not a bunch of gloom and doom. I know life is hard. I know that there are things that don't go our way. I know that sometimes 
we get mistreated and we get cheated out of things and there are things that come in. But let me tell you something. Paul said it right. What shall separate me from his love? And the answer to that is nothing unless you allow it to separate you. God will never walk away from you. It will only be if you walk away from him. That's the only way you have to separate yourself. And the moment you can walk feet, you can walk yards, you can walk miles, you can walk decades, but the moment you turn around, you'll find that he's right there. He's right there. He's never left you to yourself. He's always been following you so that the moment you turn around and head back in the right direction, you don't have to go far at all. I spent years playing a fool. Years that I threw away. And the word says that he's able to restore the years that the locusts have devoured. What's those years? Those are years that maybe you planted, but before you could ever reap anything, maybe you weren't planting the right seed. Whatever you planted, the locusts came in. They devoured it all up. And you got nothing for that. That's the way I feel about those years. I threw those years away. But the God has a way of taking those years that were wasted. And he says, you know what? We can make up for that. Don't worry about what you didn't do. Don't worry about what you should have done. Don't worry about those things. The past is the past. When you turn around and you look back to him, I'm telling you what, if you allow him to, he'll deal you some good stuff. He'll do you some good stuff. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution. If I get hungry, I don't have money to buy new shoes for the kids. People around me hate me. I feel in danger. People come against me. I lose friendships. I feel like I'm the only one in a world of darkness. Who's going to separate us? Paul says, no, in all these things, we're still more than conquerors through him that loved us. There was a point in time in my life when I fought the will of God for my life. I knew it was there. You can't run away from it. When you, when you know that God is dealing with you, I can't tell you the countless nights that I, I would go to lay my head down in the bed after being out with friends and doing the things that we did. And, and maybe I, I was, in, even in my mind, messed up then. I'd lay down in bed and just uh, trying to fall asleep, and my mind would go back to, to Doug, how is your soul? Is it well with your soul? And I'd have to tell myself, it is not well. I knew I was a mess. But I always knew that there was a conqueror in there somewhere. If I decided to let him take control. There came a point in time where I gave up on trying to fight what God wanted for me. Thirty-eight years later, 
38 years later, 38 years have gone by. How's 38 years gone by? How is it that I'm, I, I became a, a husband and then a, a father and then a grandfather? How is it that I've just put in uh, 30, almost 33 years of working for, how is it that all that time has gone by? I'll tell you how it is. God has blessed me all along the way and shown me that I made the right decision and he has never taken anything away from me or asked me to give up anything that he's not been standing right there with something better to hand me. You're so afraid of giving up something. I see people that their security blanket is their insecurities. That's the only way that they feel secure, and that's an oxymoron within itself, whether it be sickness or whatever. When God wants to sometimes heal them, just like the man at the well, when Jesus stepped up, he says, wilt thou be made whole? He said, I would, but. Then he rattled off an excuse of why he can't be made whole. I got nobody to help me in. Well, let me tell you something. You got folks that will help you in today. You got folks that'll help you. We're gonna baptize a couple people here for long. But there's more than one baptism. That's a baptism of water. There's also a baptism of the spirit that needs to take place in your life. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, you've got to decrease so that he can increase. Would you stand with me today? Paul said, For I am persuaded. Now, this is not the NIV or the TLB or the KFC. This is the DRV, the Doug Rice version. So take it for what it's worth. He said, I am persuaded. And I just looked at that and I read, I am hooked. I am persuaded. I'm hooked. Sold. Don't have to tell me again. I get it. This is what I need to do. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature is going to be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that has been my declaration since the, uh, my 17th year on this earth. Because there's been things that have come up against me and there'll be things that come up against you that try to tell you, walk away. It ain't worth it. You see the way they're staring at you? You see the way that they're talking about you? You see the job that you could have? You see the opportunity that you're missing because you're serving God? There's going to be things that try to persuade you to walk away. But why don't you just be like Paul and say, nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to be able to separate me from the love of Christ Jesus. Yes, yes. Nothing. What does holic mean? The combining form holic is used like a suffix, meaning a person who has an addiction to or an obsession with some object or activity. Many holics. Alcoholics, that's probably the one that all of our minds go to. Workaholic. Somebody that just can't break away from work, loses their family any social life, nothing matters but getting the job done. Got people that are foodaholics. There's all other kinds of holics. 
So it dawned on me, why is it that I will move heaven and earth not to miss a church service? And the few church services I have missed, you couldn't have moved me out of my chair, let alone got me in here. I mean, it was just impossible. Or if I'm running a fever, I'm not going to bring sickness into the midst. What I'm trying to say is, is that I realized that I'm addicted to church. And why am I addicted to church? Because that's where people that are like me gather. And we bring our problems. We bring our bad situations. We bring the things that we can't control to a bunch of other people that are in the same boat that we're in. And we take it to the one who has control and who has answers. So I'm going to wrap this up just by saying, hello, my name is Doug. And I'm an apostolic-holic. I love what I feel. There's something I crave about being around you folks, about being in the presence of the Lord. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we show some signs. I I see Brother Glenn Bishop running the aisles every once in a while. I don't know what we're going to do with him when he has more room to run. I have no idea. Maybe we'll build a track around the top, and he can just run and run and run. You see a guy that's running the aisles. I see see an addict. I see Brother Price. I'm not going to tell him how old you are, Brother Price, but he told me the other day, you know, he's not a youngster anymore. He'll take off marching around the church. And then if anybody feels like following him, some might, some might follow him and march around the church. He's not running like Brother Glenn. I don't know why. Maybe someday he will. But he starts his march. People join in and follow. But even if they don't, it doesn't stop him. And I look there and I say, there's another addict. There's another addict. There's another person that cannot help themselves. There's another person right there that's given themselves over to a higher power. A higher power is in control of their actions. I'll look out and I'll see a brother Graham. Kind of step out in the aisle. Maybe stay right where he's at and begin to jump up and down. I'll say, hey, I'm in good company. I'm in good company. Surrounded by addicts. And I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. If you can take it or leave it, if you can set God aside or only worship Him when things are good, if you can walk away when He tells you no, you might have a social relationship with God, but you don't have an addiction to Him. Because an addict cannot get away from what he's addicted to. Paul was persuaded. Are you? How persuaded are you today? Is this just something that we do because we like the people? Or every once in a while we need to come get a little fix here and there? There's a huge difference. 
I've kept you way too long. I'm going to close this down. We've got things to do here in a few minutes with the baptism. As they began to sing this song, I wonder today, would there be somebody, would there be several, would the church, would you gather around the front? Maybe you would come up and introduce somebody, lack of a better term, to your dealer today. You wonder why I'm happy all the time? Well, let me introduce you to the one that makes it all possible. You wonder why I smile even though something just gave me a punch in the gut and I'm able to get through another day? You think life is rosy just because you're serving God? It's not always easy. But there's something that just keeps me coming back one more time. Something that just keeps me putting one foot in front of the other one more time. I wonder today, if you're like me, would you just simply come up and thank him because his grace and his mercy are new every morning and they're everlasting. His grace is sufficient for whatever it is that you're going through. So if you're going through it today, if life has thrown you a curveball, why don't you break open the self-help book? Why don't you come up to the front, throw up your hands, and just see if God might not give you something that you can't live without. This altar is open for you today. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.